So we are going to come back to this series. Look forward to it. Look forward to it. And the first sermon that we preached was to look forward to salvation. To look forward to salvation. And, and you know, we tried to make the point that focusing on our salvation will help us to rejoice while in pain. Um, and, and the salvation that we were clarifying was not only the one where we have been saved from our sins, but, um, and not only the ones where we're progressively saved from our sins, but, but the final salvation, that day that God will take us all up into heaven and to keep our focus on that. Um, and I tried to leave with this last point. You might be dreading this year, but in order to look forward to life, look past it. In order to look forward to life, look past it. And so today we're continuing with the second installment of this series. And this will come from the same book, book First Peter. First uh, Peter in the first chapter. If you don't know where First Peter is in your um, written Bible, it's toward, uh, if you look in the table of contents, you'll see Old and New Testament. It's in the New Testament, like basically toward the end. So the last book is Revelation, the one before that is Jude, the, then you have 3 John, 2 John, 1 John, and then you have 2 Peter, and then you have 1 Peter. Go to that page number. Once you're there, you're already where you need to be. It is the first chapter, the big number one, and this time what we're going to do is come from verses um, 10 and 11. Um, the actual sermon um, comes from um, 12 as well, but for right now, what we're going to do is read verses 10 and 11. First Peter, first chapter 10 through 11, when you have a say amen. If you still need some time, say, wait a minute. Man, nobody, nobody but me. All right. Um, if you do not have a Bible available, um, you are welcome to look on the screen, whether you are here or online, the words uh, should be on the screen for you. First Peter 11, uh, uh, verse 1. Excuse me, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 11. This will be read out of the Christian Standard Bible version. You will find similar words printed in your text. 1 Peter, the first chapter, 10 through 11th verses read as follows. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that would come to you searched and carefully investigated. They inquired into what time or what circumstances the spirit of Christ within them was indicating when he testified in advance to the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. I would like to come to you from the following subject. Look forward to the next generation. Look forward to the next generation. When Dr. King gave his most famous speech titled, I Have a Dream, Dr. King believed that this dream would become a reality. He talked about the God-given vision of justice to all Americans of different races and faiths. He acknowledged 
the oppression and the suffering present in America at that time. Dr. King believed, and I would add that he rightly believed, that this dream that he had would become a reality. But Dr. King did not know when it would happen. If you were living in that time, you could not help but wonder, when would this dream become a reality? Let me ask the question this way. When will God's promises come to pass? In many ways, the dream God gave to Dr. King is being lived out today, but we still have trouble in this life. And we are still asking the question, When will God's promises come to pass? Perhaps your problems are not related to, you know, systemic injustice or outright racism. But we have all types of problems today. Some of us have been doing our best to hold on to the promises of God. We believe that he will change America. We believe he will change our families. St. John, we believe that God will move in a mighty way with this church. We believe the promises of God, but, but sometimes there are so many problems in life that it's hard to hold on. You know, problems tend to have that effect on promises, you know. Problems tend to distract you from focusing on God's promises. Not only that, but problems tend to kill the excitement of God's promises. Not only that, but problems tend to make it seem like God is taking too long to fulfill his promises. Problems have you asking, when will God's promises come to pass? You know, as Christians, you know, we're, we're taught and we believe that God already has the victory, but, but when will we get to see it? When will God's promises come to pass? The apostle Peter was dealing with that same issue. He was writing to believers who were being persecuted for their faith. He had previously mentioned to the believers that they need to stay focused on their future salvation from this world. That's what we talked about two weeks ago. He reminded them that one day all of this would be over, but that they would have to go through things for a little while. But then Peter does something interesting in verse 10. He starts to bring up the prophets of old. Verse 10, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that would come to you searched and carefully investigated. They inquired into what time or what circumstances the spirit of Christ within them was indicating when he testified in advance to the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Prophets hundreds of years before Christ wanted to know when the coming of Christ would happen, but they never found out all of the details. But watch this, verse 12, it was revealed to them 
that they were not serving themselves, but you. These things have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. This is very important because God just answered the question. Earlier we asked, when will God's promises come to pass? Well, the answer is that God's promises will come to pass either now or in the future. Now, maybe that's not the answer that you wanted to hear. But the implications are huge. Why? Because it is possible that some of the promises of God will happen during your lifetime. Some of them will. You, know, you will get to see prayers answered. You will get to see miracles happen. Our God will fulfill some of his promises during your lifetime. However, this opens up the possibility that sometimes the promises are not going to happen during your lifetime. Why? Because these promises, because those specific promises were not for you. Now, before you get upset with me, let's get back to verse 12. Peter says, it was revealed to them, the prophets, that they were not serving themselves, but you. These things have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you. This is an important point. One reason is because it shows that God worked through previous generations for our benefit. If you look at your history, your ancestry, if you look at what others have sacrificed to make possible the opportunities that you have today, you ought to thank God. And in the case of African-American history, I'm sure anybody's history can uh, testify to this, but in the case of African-American history, there were people who fought for rights that they never got. They sought justice that they never got to experience. So why did they do it? Why did they do it? Why would people sacrifice themselves knowing they would never receive the benefit of that sacrifice here on earth? Because God put it in their hearts that they were not doing this for themselves. They were doing it for us. They got arrested, beaten, and even killed so that you and I can enjoy the life that we have today. They sacrificed themselves and in many cases knowing that they would never live the dream that Dr. King talked about. Just so that the next generations, our generations, could live the life that that generation dreamed of. But here is also what Peter is implying. Is 
just like previous generations did the work and the research so that we can benefit today, just like God worked through previous generations for our benefit, likewise, God can work through us for the benefit of future generations. Some of the hardship we are facing now is so that our kids and our grandkids can see a better life. This is why we look forward to the next generation. The previous generations prepared the way for us to get to this point. So it is on this generation. And I know we have a lot of generations represented here, but I'm talking about your generation. This generation, your generation, you, it's on you and me to prepare the way for the next generation. But how can we do that with all of the problems that we are dealing with? How can we remain passionate about a God-given dream, a promise that he has specifically given to us? How, How can we even be passionate about it when we know that it's not going to apply to us. And, and, and how does this help us deal with our mess? You know, we keep hearing about what, what's happening in the future. What, what, how is this helping me deal with what I'm dealing with right now? My answer to that is simply Jesus. Christ did what he did for future believers Like us. Jesus knows exactly what it is to be persecuted. He knows exactly what it means to suffer, to be oppressed, to be a victim of injustice. He knows exactly what it means to have problems. But his difference, or but the difference, is that he kept his eye on our salvation. He knew that he was the answer to our sin. He knew that in order for us to live the good life, connected to the Father, that he had to be crucified on a cross for our sins. And he had to be buried. And on the third day, he had to rise again. All for our benefits. The entire reason For Christ coming down onto this earth was that he was looking forward to the next generation. Jesus was looking forward to generations that would spread his name. Jesus was looking forward to generations that would let their light shine. Jesus was looking forward to generations that would not be satisfied until justice rolls down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. Jesus was looking forward to uh, generations that would glorify God among the people so that the people may glorify God. Therefore, since Christ was focused on that next generation, as Christ followers, we ought to also look forward to the next generation. We are going through troubled times. But what if God revealed to you that you are not serving yourself? 
But the next generation, you're still not clear, James. What if God revealed to you that you must struggle so that the next generation won't? Some of you are dealing with situations that you are learning to fight through. And what you are doing is teaching the next generation how to fight while simultaneously dealing with the problem. Some of you are dealing with injustice and oppression in in its various forms. What if you being in your situation motivates others to do something about it? What if you persevering through that family death, through that sickness, through poverty, through, through the drama that's in your life, what if you persevering and enduring through all of that is the foundation for the next generation? I've been to quite a few funerals. And I've constantly hear how people get inspired through the struggle of others. I constantly hear at funerals how uh, people's lives were changed because of the sacrifices made of the previous generation. Christ, this is where I'm getting at, Christ used his pain to benefit the next generation of believers. Therefore, as followers of Christ, who have the spirit of Christ in us, we ought to do the same. We ought to stay focused on the next generation, even in the midst of our trials and tribulations. And and here's a bonus, even using our trials and tribulations to the glory of God. We ought to keep the faith, knowing that what we are doing is not in vain. We ought to focus on glorifying God among the next generation of people so that the next generation of people may glorify God. And as I close, dreams are not always for the dreamers. If we can describe God's promises as as dreams, they will not always be for the dreamers. You may not live your dreams, but your dreams affect how you live. Martin Luther King Jr. had a God-given dream. And even though he was assassinated before the dream was fulfilled, that dream affected how he lived. That dream affected how many people lived. That dream drove men and women, boys and girls, to march, to do sit-ins, and ultimately to sacrifice their comfort, freedom, and in many cases, their lives, so that the next generation, us, we could live that dream. 
All that said, there might be a dream that God has given you, but you may not live to see it. However, if you live for this dream, then the future generations will live out this dream. They will receive the promises of God that were foretold to you. Let me say it like this. All of your hard work and effort will be worth it. Dr. King and many others would agree that all of the sacrifice, the suffering, the pain, all of it will be worth it. Why? Because this is what Christ did. And it worked out well for us. This is what Christians do. We look forward to the next generation. Dreams are not always for the dreamers. You may not live your dreams, but God-given dreams ought to affect how 